This is the Comedy Kiosk podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Hello and welcome to the Comedy Kiosk where we discuss comedy news, events, ideas, and we do some quizzes and recommendations. I'm David Munoz and Igor Monday. And let's get the topic started. So we're actually going to discuss today about being a comedian itself. So I think uh, the first topic we're going to do, kind of get into is, is being a comedian a job? Can it be a job? Or is it just a calling? What do you think? Well, I think it can pay as a job, but I'm not sure that it. I don't think it can be just a job. I know some people that are not very interesting or funny in real life uh-huh. and i think on stage they might have a persona that is funny or like a character they developed right yeah. but i think to be a, a comedian you need to be more than just a stage performer and you need to be more than just a character you've created i think you need to be like a, a, an overall funny person and that's why i think it's really hard to to stop being a comedian once you step off stage and uh-huh. i think that sometimes people like this i would even be afraid for their mental health to be honest <laughs> i would say that yeah. might be like some kind of borderline like split personality yeah, yeah yeah because i mean if you can be hilarious on stage and then you get off stage and you're the most boring person to talk to i'm i'm curious like where does this humor come from how do you write how do you imagine these jokes yeah yeah um well I don't know. I I kind of slightly disagree uh, to this point. Um, I think it can be a a job initially. I don't think you have to be a naturally funny person to actually be a comedian to start with. I think you can choose that you, something you want to try. It is more difficult. Uh, Obviously, if you have some natural talent or something like that, um, it will help you a lot. Of course, it gives you that big running start, but it's almost like, imagine somebody who starts off as a fat kid or something like that, and then decides they want to win the Mr. Universe competition. Well, it doesn't start with the Mr. Universe competition, but they will, you know, work out, they'll start going to the gym, they'll build the exercise, they'll get the routines, they'll learn all the system, the methods or whatever, and diets and all the rest. And then eventually they'll be like, oh, wait, I can actually maybe even go for some bodybuilding competitions. Using that as an example. I think comedy can kind of be the same where someone can decide, you know what, I can give that a shot. Um, It is going to be a lot more difficult, of course. Yeah, but just to refer to that example, you wouldn't be a Miss Universe on stage, a Miss... Is it Mr. Universe? Bodybuilding one is the Olympia. Yeah, no, but they do have a Mr. Universe as well. Yeah, but that's just about beauty. It's not about bodybuilding. Whatever. Uh, But anyways, uh, okay, you're a beautiful man or or a woman uh, and you want to compete in these uh, beauty pageants. But still, so, and then you get off stage and like the first thing you go is McDonald's. No, I think you will keep eating healthy and... and, uh, Yeah. Yeah, and this I, lifestyle. I completely agree. And this is why I think it eventually will bleed through. Like, is in the funnier you start being on stage, the funnier you will be in person anyway, uh, because it becomes a sort of a, just a natural part of your persona. Like, it, it will start bleeding back into it, if you know what I mean. It's, it's a case of, I mean, because even those of us, okay, now I have the idea that even those of us that are naturally funny or, you know, someone told us we were funny and things like that, 
we weren't told that from the age of one. You know, we weren't told that, told that from the age of two. It happens much later. It's because we learn to do it, actually. It's just that we don't learn to do it on stage. We usually learn to do it in life. We learn that it's a way to, for example, impress people at a party. It's a way to to attract someone of the opposite gender mm-hmm. or the same gender. You know, it's a way to attract somebody. It's a way to make yourself popular, things like that. And you learn it, you know, you, you do learn it. You just don't realize that you're training at it. You're just doing it at parties. I know from, from me, for example, personal experience, you know, um, I didn't start off naturally as the funny guy. Maybe at home I could make my parents laugh and stuff like that, but I well, wasn't- so One second, let's get back to your personal experience in a moment. Yeah. But I wanted to say like, I don't think it's something, I think, yes, you learn how to be funny gradually in mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. especially if you need this skill to be also interesting or attractive or, you know, like yeah. uh, if you can sell it in some other way, if you're mm-hmm. a good speaker and you can be a, a teacher or a salesperson, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the bullshit, uh, what, what did you Bullshit call? artist. Bu- bullshit artist, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I, I want to say that I think that once you start learning it, you cannot learn it only for stage. You become like this yeah. class yeah, eventually, clown. Eventually, well, you become the Joker. You just, you just are funny. Because I disagree because I've seen some comedians be interviewed and and they're kind of serious types. Like they 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 really do separate the two. Like I'm sure they still make funny quips and things like that, but they're not that obsessed with being the center of attention when they're off the stage. There are some people like that. I'm not saying they're the majority. I'm not saying it's even that large a portion. I'd probably say less than half. I'd probably say maybe a quarter or less of them are like that because once you start getting on stage, the addiction, the the center of attention, it is hard to switch off. But there are times when people are a bit more relaxed with it. Like um, the case in point I'm trying to make is Gene Wilder, the actor, uh, Willy Wonka from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, from Blazing Saddles, from uh, a lot of work with Richard Pryor. Now, the thing was he, if you read his autobiography, he wasn't naturally a funny person. He got into it being funny was because his mother was sick and uh, was really sick. Uh, I can't remember if it was something actually medical in the sense of physical or if it was more mental illness. I think it might have been a bit of both. But the point is that he did it to keep his mother happy. He was just finding ways to make her laugh and making her funny. So for him, it was like a job in a way. He was not naturally a funny kid. And when you read his autobiography, he's actually highly anxious. He's he's got high levels of anxiety. He's an introvert, 100%. He hates going in front of people and doing it but he knows these skills and he's like, well, I'm gonna use it. And it's gonna also make me money and at the same time, it's gonna provide for my family and I'm going to work. So he was not naturally a funny guy, but he was hilarious when he switched it on. He knew how to switch it on. But in private life, he was apparently a very sweet, gentle, nice person who didn't like being the center of attention and would generally be quiet and just listen to people. Yeah, but I mean, like these kind of people, uh, I think they can do really well in comedy genres in different formats, like uh, writing, right? You, if you are a genuinely funny yeah. person who just needs their own like uh, peace and quiet and, and you know, like you can sit down, write a great hilarious script and that's yeah. it. Or acting, because acting is always playing a character, right? Mm-hmm. You switch on this persona and now you're this persona yeah. and so on. But when, when it comes to stand-up, mm-hmm. I think stand-up, first of all, I think it should be like genuine. So, I mean, like, you were always kind of expressing some 
opinions, emotions, or, or trying to convey something to the audience that you also feel and believe. It's not just an act. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, otherwise it's, you're going to be completely disconnected and the crowd is not going to like fall for your like jokes because they will be like, why is this, I don't know, gay man talking about fucking all the women yesterday? We know he's gay. You know, like they're just not going to buy into it. Uh, but unless it's a character on stage, which then is very like easy to sell, whatever. But what I'm trying to say is, uh, okay, all these combinations exist, but I think that, okay, there are some people that I know personally. Mm. They're uh, funny, they're witty, they're quick with a joke yeah. in real life, like when we talk, when we have a drink, when we banter. They've tried stand-up, I've seen them try stand-up, uh, and it doesn't work. So like doing written material, doing prepared jokes, uh, riffing it, playing it off the audience, reading the room, and so on, they don't have and have never learned. I mean, when I say they try doing stand-up, I mean they did one five-minute spot in an open mic. They've yeah. done some, like, even years of stand-up, let's call it like this. Yeah. But but it was never... It, it reached some level of quality and success, but it didn't go higher than that. Wait, are you talking about me? <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm definitely not talking about you. Is this, are we recording? Is this on record? Yeah, we're recording. Okay. Uh, You're on the record. (laughs) And then on the other hand, I know some people that are funny on stage and they kill with their material and so on when they prepare it well and so on. But then when I talk to them off stage, it's like a dementor from Harry Potter. You know, like they just suck the, the, the life out of you because they're so boring and uninteresting. And I switch off in like the first three seconds. But that proves my point. They're funny on stage. They're actually good. In real life, though, they're, they're a complete set. They've learned how to be funny. They've learned all these tricks, if you want to call it. Although they're not tricks. They just, you know, they've learned the methods. They've learned different stuff. But they are, in real life, their their persona is not what you'd expect of a comedian. I mean, and there's another example where I gave of, uh, for example, uh, Dane Cook. Um, he was once making uh, this um, point of that one thing that sucked about being a comedian was that people expected you to always be funny and be switched on. So he would meet a girl at a club after a gig or whatever. Like she'd obviously be impressed. You know, he's a good looking guy. So they'd be like, yes, I want to go on a date with you, whatever. You know, after the club, they'd go for drinks. He's just performed. Now he's on his cool down and they're talking and he's like the amount of times the girls would be like, Oh, I thought you were funnier. Because they expect them to be constantly riffing and making jokes and, and saying stuff. And and to be honest, there are some comedians also who I, th- I think you would agree that they don't switch off. They're on stage, they get off stage, and they, it's almost like they're still performing and eventually that gets tiresome. Are You're you just- talking about me, David? <laughs> <clears throat> For the record, I would like to state that, Your Honor, I am not referring to Eagle Monday. Um... For the record, but the, no. But the point is, like, sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you finish a set, or you know, on days that you just like, uh, like I'm not in the mood. Like um, someone made, mentioned it to my wife, you know, a while back. Uh, they were like, "Oh, it must be, you know, really fun dating a guy who's a comedian, sort of thing." You know, before we were married, when we were just dating, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's lots of fun. He's constantly made me laugh." And she goes, "But there are days where he's just very quiet and." he'll basically go to the balcony and just hang out with himself. Like as in, you know, just, I'd just be listening to music, smoking cigarettes or thinking about work or whatever else. And you know, it's switched off. I, I'm just not in a funny mood that day. I'm just really, I'm introverted. That, that's day. what I'm talking and I, I, talking about. And I think a lot of comics actually are introverted because mm. people ask me a lot, I'm an introvert. I like my, you know, space. 
I like mm. to be alone. I like to like just relax from people, from social interaction, especially mm. after I had like a hard show. When it's a good show and you probably like you feed off the audience. Like when there is a good energy in the room, yeah. it gets you going and you have more energy as well. But yeah. when it's a hard show, when you're giving energy, when you're trying to make them entertain, make them laugh, make yep. them not regret coming here and so on, the next day I can be kind of like a vegetable, lying in my yeah. bed, turn on Netflix, do nothing because it exhausts me emotionally and socially and so on. But uh, what I'm saying is that I think that if you are like an entertainer, performer, comedian, sooner or later it will bleed into your personal life because yeah. I don't see it being the other way because I don't really don't understand how we can... Because when I see a guy being hilarious on stage and then here's... Or girl, and then here's... A, mm-hmm. But this is a guy I'm talking about. And then he's the most boring person imaginable. Yeah. When he just ste- he just steps off the stage, approaches you, and he's boring. Uh, I, my first idea is, where did you get those jokes? Because yeah. you're not a funny person. You know, like, maybe yeah. you're a brilliant writer and so on, but, uh, you know, and, and that's why I think, like, but I do agree that uh, this is something that people kind of, in a relationship, for example, as you yeah. mentioned, right? Okay, I'm this kind of person, and, and I and I felt, like, called out when you mentioned it. Yeah. I'm, like, uh, in a performer mode, comedian mode, 80% of the time. Yeah. Because uh, f- when it's, like, a lighthearted conversation, of yeah. course, if you approach me and say, oh, my God, something really, really happened, ha- like horrible tragic happened to me today i wouldn't start cracking jokes i would have a serious conversation with you or with my family or with my girlfriend and so on but if we're like if we sit down for a drink i'll keep joking Mm -hmm. because it's like it's who i am but then when it comes to girls for example what i get is like first date or first few dates it's like oh my god you are so funny like, right. I like talking to you. I like hanging out with you because you're so fun. You make me laugh constantly. This is amazing. One month in, do you ever stop joking? <laughs> is see, everything, the danger. Is yeah. everything a joke to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, yes, everything is a joke to me if it's a lighthearted conversation. If it's yeah. a serious conversation, then let's talk serious stuff. You know, like if you want to tell me something that's bothering you, if you want to talk like, you know, but mm-hmm. if we're just, if we're taking a stroll and we're looking at things around us yes everything is a joke to me yeah. doesn't matter like if it's an old granny falling which i don't laugh at for the record again yeah. but because i'm not five but you know anything that i observe or anything that i can you know like jump on with a quick joke with a quick quick pun and so on i will yeah. unless it's kind of inappropriate by the social context mm-hmm. or if i just want to have a genuine like heart to heart deep meaningful conversation which i will not then spoil with cheap dick jokes yeah 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 well yeah i i think then then the topic now is very more towards when is it appropriate to make a joke and when is it not but uh okay but to go on from that because uh, now we're getting more into our personal experiences maybe we can go into the uh uh how or why did you start the whole comedy and who the hell told you you were funny and can we sue them? Yeah, that, I don't think anyone actually told... Well, I mean, many people told me I'm funny, but I don't think anyone told me, you should do stand-up. Like, mm-hmm. you're that, like, oh, man, the jokes you crack in our, like, classroom or something, this is, you know, Netflix-level shit. Go and do stand-up. I don't think anyone actually told me something like this. What I remember is that I always enjoyed comedy, like some sort of comedy, like yeah. uh, movies when I was younger, different, I don't know, cartoons, different uh, whatever. I came across this like Pablo Francisco Comedy Central bit. 
-hmm. Maybe when I was 15, 16, it was like a big thing that people shared on CDs back in the day. Can you imagine? So basically, I got this clip of him. It was, I wouldn't even say that it's stand-up. It's like, it's definitely comedy, but it's something like... Because he's acting out characters, voices. I don't know, have you have you seen or heard of Pablo mm. Francisco? But it was like a one man one man on stage telling jokes. So yeah. it's kind of stand-up, but not straightforward stand-up, you know, like guy with a mic talking. Yeah. And it really like I watched it, I don't know, a hundred, a thousand times. I don't know, because this was all before YouTube and Netflix and unlimited amount of comedy that you can find. Yeah. So I watched it a million times. Then I got into actual stand-up, saw some Things like uh, Jimmy Carr. Then I saw some other stuff like what was the the, the ventriloquist Jeff Dunham? Oh, I right. guess yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. He became super popular due to this like skeleton Ahmed, yeah, and and stuff like this. And I got really into comedy. I was like, and I w- was even thinking sometimes, you know, like if I can't go to sleep, I'm like, you know what's funny? Like elephants are funny. Can there be a joke about this? You yeah. know, I started like thinking about this kind of stuff, and then. Basically, but there was no comedy where I was at that point when I was, I don't know, like 19, 21, 23. Like there was no chance. There were no stand-up open mics. Uh, So back in Croatia, where I'm from, we then had comedy only in the capital, as far as I remember. And it was ran by kind of professionals who were like charging for shows and so on. They had open mics as well, but I would not travel for like a weekend to do a five-minute spot or a three-minute spot on the open mic or something like this. Uh, and then when I moved to Moscow, I started looking into comedy and there were some open mics in Russian, like once yeah. or twice a week. Did that, you try it in Russian? No, I didn't. But this was like eight, seven or eight years ago. And comedy here, yeah. it came here, it came to TV maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. And then it became like really, really a big thing that people know and that people know yeah. what to expect and how it looks. Before that, it was like a underground thing. Yeah. A small group of people did not to go crazy. Yeah, you know? I, I remember like the first couple of gigs that I did. And I think you guys had been doing it for like a year or something like that before I joined up or a year or two. But it was like we still had to like tell the cl- crowd that they can laugh out loud. You don't save the applause until the end of the the bit, like the whole thing. It was just like this is not a theater production. I remember we a couple of times we even had to tell them this isn't like the host would have to say this is not a theater production. You don't have to respectfully be quiet, watch the whole performance, and then clap at the end like a nice you know respectful audience. Like this is stand up comedy. Laugh out loud. Slap the table if you're like feel like it you know bust a gut but yeah that was a that was i remember that as long as you don't bust a nut yeah Uh, Yeah. well if someone's really funny go for it comedy extravaganza but yeah i mean and and then i found there there was a show of daryl brian as a part of like irish irish culture week festival something in moscow and that was the first live Ah. like stand-up show i've seen and i was like and i really liked because that that was a very funny show because he came to do his show he was touring with yeah but it turned out that everyone here knows it because they pirated it (laughs) And, and he was like what the fuck you don't i didn't like release that in russia like that dvd and so on how do you know that and then he was like oh you fucking pirates uh, right so then he was like okay what do i do now because literally you know my whole like yeah my, my whole like uh show and he just started like he went on a break and he came back and did 45 minutes of mostly crowd work and banter and stuff like this and i was like i always enjoy this like you know when it's a conversation yeah. and i can banter with someone and you know i can add on something build up to like a laugh or whatever yeah. and i was like i really want to do this 
And then it just popped up on my Facebook one day, like an event, English open mic in mm -hmm. Moscow. And I was like, okay, I'm going. I got my colleagues from work, two other foreigners, and we went to see it a few times. And then I decided, okay, I'll try this. Like it's, it, it's been like a long time coming. Yeah. And yeah. I will try this. I prepared like five minutes of material. I didn't tell my friends or yeah. colleagues that I'm going. I showed up by myself. I asked, like, can I get a spot? I asked some guys that were already performing then, and some of them still perform today for some advice, like how should I open? How? Sh but the yeah. scene was very new. I think it existed maybe two or three months before I joined. So yeah. they were not that, you know, like they were not <laughs> yeah. in the position to give advice, but they did help uh, with like structuring a bit, with some preparation. I'm, I'm sure I, it didn't stop a couple, couple of them from giving you advice though, as if they were seasoned pros, and exactly. you're sitting there going, what are you on about? You've been doing it for like two months. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, the things that I've learned. And, to, like, and to this day. Yeah, to this day. It doesn't stop them. <laughs> yeah, but, no. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. And then I went on stage. I did like maybe seven minutes. But the thing is, there were not many comics then. And you could kind of do whatever you want. There was mm -hmm. not like structured uh, organization, you know, yeah. and so on. So I did it maybe seven or eight minutes. I got laughs where I wanted them, where I kind of prepared the punchline, what I then thought was a punchline and so on. Yeah. And I really, I got off stage and I felt like happy. I felt excited. I felt like I've, I've done the job, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that I was supposed to do. And I was like, okay, so this was Friday. There is an open mic tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow. There is an open mic on Sunday. I'm going on Sunday. Yeah. And since then, if I am in the city yeah. and if there is a show I can go to, I go to and that's it like, as a performer just, as a performer sometimes like there were some shows where I just <coughs> decided that uh, I didn't I didn't prepare well enough or I have nothing interesting to say or maybe the lineup is already full and so on and I would go as a, as an audience member because I think it's also interesting to see it from the from the side yeah but yeah and that's I, I think that's maybe how most people start by thinking that they might be good at it, trying and seeing that they are good at it. Yeah. I don't know. What, right. was, what, what was your first experience? Ah, oh, okay. So let's start with the build-up then. Yeah, I was... Okay, so as a kid, I was shy. I was one of those uh, like little boys who's behind oh, wow. mom's you, legs. You, you, you started this story like yeah. way earlier than I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that was me by nature, right? But I always, I never had a problem doing public no, the, speaking. What, what about your, your grandfather? Was, was, was he a funny man? I never met him. Uh, father? Yeah, my dad was. He loved, like, we, we both watched, like, like, voraciously. We watched every Mel Brooks film. Loved that. He was the guy who, because also English was his second language, for example, we watched Monty Python. And at first, my dad didn't like Monty Python. He was just like, I don't get it. Like, this is just stupid humor. Um, because at that point, the level of English and, and figuring out what it was. But it was really weird because uh, at one point, like, he didn't, we didn't watch Monty Python growing up or things like that because it was just like, this is just stupid, absurd humor. And then it wasn't until one day I remember I came back from university he was watching Monty Python and laughing his ass off because obviously his English had improved and he was like, oh, yeah. Now you know, I get it. Like, now I'm getting it. Like, oh, the, he's like, damn, they're actually really smart. And they're, they're really putting a lot of like thought into criticizing and analyzing and, and they're kind of making a satire. And he's like, damn, these guys are geniuses. And I was like, what happened to them being just dumbass, basic, absurdist humor. But anyway. I but like how also, I, sorry, how I asked this question uh, just to see how far can you go in explaining why you became a stand-up comedian. Yeah. But actually it opened up an interesting topic because uh, it opens up a question like, is it something that we can get 
from our like family and from our genetics yeah. maybe even because i would say that my father is also a very funny person and he always yeah. liked to crack jokes yeah. and do like practical jokes on people or yeah. when there was a conversation he was always the funny one that yeah. you know like cracks jokes constantly and makes yeah. everyone laugh at some social gathering i don't know like but wedding, yeah. funeral whatever that that's what brings me to the point so you know we watched ben hill and my dad asked me a lot about okay so what is that phrasing what is this phrasing and he's like okay what well, if you said it like this so my dad was kind of deconstructing jokes and things like that from from me having to explain oh, okay so that means that and he's like well, okay why are people laughing now especially when there was a laugh track and or something like oh you know if there was a live audience even better because then you know it's definitely laugh worthy and he's like why is that funny like Uh, am I missing something in the translation? Like as in, in my head. And we would kind of deconstruct it, analyze it. And he's like, oh, because it has this meaning and that meaning. Oh yeah. And he's like, yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. Well done. And then we would use it like at the kitchen table, like, you know, over lunch and stuff like that. We'd watch comedy films. We'd crack it. I, I would learn whole movies off by heart, like the whole thing. And in a way that was sort of practice. And this is what I mean. Like you was already sort of semi-training. But still, I was a shy guy around other people. Uh, I wasn't that sort of style. And it wasn't until I would say probably in, when I was in high school, I wanted to be the funny guy, but there were funnier people, guys who were already like way funnier than Established I was. Established so, comedians. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Did you go to so, school with like Seinfeld? <laughs> You're like, no, I, just, I Jim want Gaffigan, to be funny. Ricky Gervais, you know, just a couple of those guys. Shut up, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what's the deal with the good thing? Shut up and never say what's the deal. People are going to cons- assume that's what you always say, but you never actually say it. But shut up, Jerry. Those people are yeah. older than you, right? Yeah. Okay, fair <laughs> I enough. think. Anyway. Actually, no, I think. Yeah, yeah they are. Um, but the point is that. Um, so anyway, I wasn't the funny guy, but I occasionally would say one or two things, you know, every so often. And if I could get a laugh from them, if I could take the attention away from them and get people to laugh at my thing, then I knew it was genuinely funny because they were the stars, not me. And. And then I was at university and at that point, yeah, I was, yeah, once again, quiet. I didn't swear. I was a very nice guy and all the rest. And, but every so often, once in a blue moon, I would say something that was wildly inappropriate, funny or something like that. And the first time I started clicking a little bit was I never thought anyone ever saw me as the funny guy until one day I said some off the cuff remark that shocked the people in the room got like that kind of laughter where like I shouldn't be laughing but damn that was funny and my friend whose nickname is Veggie he started cracking laughing goes that's why I love hanging out with this guy and they looked at him and he was like man he's hilarious and he's like he cracks me up because he just doesn't do it that often but when he does he's like he's quiet but the moment he comes he opens his mouth and something good comes out it just kills the room and I was like wait he sees me as the funny guy. Like, what? And that was sort of like the first moments there. Uh, and then another big moment for me was when I was um, uh, smoking <clears throat> wacky weedus with a couple of friends. It was uh, one of the first few times that I had done that. And there was a joke, uh, a St. Peter's joke, right? Which is already a long joke in and, in and of itself. And it's one of those with a twist ending that's sort of obvious, but it's kind of build it's like almost a shaggy dog story almost but anyway a uh, shaggy dog story by the way for the listener is a story that looks like it's going one direction and then there is no real punchline or it's just ridiculous and the whole point is it's more about the story and that's what happened was because i was stoned at the time i was trying to tell this joke but when i told the joke it 
what was normally like a 10 minute joke, five to 10 minute joke, normally, actually it's about a five minute joke, I extended it for 20 minutes. And I was doing character voices. I was doing all these like in jokes inside it. I was making references to other things. And even under that condition, I was focused so much on the story because I had the general outline. I was able to embellish around it that it, by the time I finished, everyone knew what the punchline was because it was obvious. And they were like, but the whole setup was just genuinely hilarious. I had them cracking up every last so off. So much to the point that the next time we all got together and there was some new people there, the guy who uh, I was smoking with all of a sudden was like, oh, Dave, Dave, do the St. Peter joke. Do the St. Peter joke. I think I ended up doing it like three or four times. It was like, technically my first stand-up was with a group here. Every time we got stoned, someone always asked me to do the St. Peter bit. And it was a 20 minute, and people would be like listening and they'd be like, my God, how long is this joke? But they wouldn't stop listening. They couldn't stop breaking, they couldn't break their eyes away from me. And that was the first moment that I realized, wait, I can actually tell a really good story. Like entertaining story with funny bits in it. And that was the first moment that I started thinking about it. And that's what kind of got me into stand-up was one night I had a dinner party with some friends and we ended up, I was just telling stories because by then, at parties and things like that, I'd just gotten better at learning at how to tell good stories and how to get people engaged. And people would just listen. And so I was able to do this and this impressed girls and this made me like, you know, all that sort of thing. And like, this is what I was saying before about it trains. You, you are training, you are practicing stand-up without realizing you're practicing stand-up, but that's what I was doing. I have spent years technically doing stand-up all in the vain attempt of trying to get laid or getting myself popular or, you know, noticed or not being the quiet guy. Um, so anyway, I was at a dinner party. I was just telling stories, had everyone cracked up. And one of the guys at the, at the dinner table uh, was a guy I just met that night. He was the, the boyfriend of the housemate of my friend who had invited me, one of those, you know, off tangent things. And afterwards he got my email address from my friend, like from his girlfriend to ask my friend for my email address. And then he was a circus performer, well, still is as far as I know. And, but he also, as a side thing, he also did these uh, magazine launch events. And so, uh, and every month they launch their issue. So there was always like a, a big night out sort of thing with all bunch of events and a whole bunch of different acts and stuff like that. And he said to me, Dave, would you like to try it? And at that point, you know, it's the bucket list. Yes, I wanted to have done stand up. And I thought, okay, let's give it a shot. And I asked him, all right, so when is it? And he's like, it's in two weeks. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he was like, and I said, oh, how long? And he said, 30 minutes. So my first ever gig was a 30 minute gig that I had to write for. And that was my first ever gig. So it wasn't like an open mic at a comedy club no. or something. It was a corporate event sort or of something. Yeah. Yep, yep. And you were booked to do a 30 minute spot. Mm -hmm. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I got, that was my first ever gig. And it wasn't until I came to Moscow that I, same thing as you actually on Facebook, there's this thing going English stand up, and I was like, all right. And I went there with my then girlfriend. I, I, you know, posited to her, you know, let's go see some stand up because I had not done it at all since the first time. And it'd been uh, a few years before. So I was like, damn, I need to, you know, I, I want to give it a shot, see what these guys are like. Because I'd honestly given up on the idea of ever doing it. I wanted to, I wish I could, but I lived in a small town in, uh, in uh, Australia. Well, it wasn't a small town, it was a medium largest town, but it was the university town. And the closest place that had an you know open mic spots probably would have been Brisbane, which was a three hour plane, you know, 
flight away. It's like, no way I'm gonna get there and do this every freaking weekend. So it was impossible. And when I just gave up, like when I came to Russia and then all of a sudden to see English stand up, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I, I'm not a person of destiny or fate, but it, honestly, if I was, I'd be like, oh, this is a sign. This is totally a sign. I'm meant to be a stand up comedian. Put me on the stage, God, I'm ready. So yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, you were really ready. I wasn't that ready, but I was willing to give it a go. Yeah, same, same. And then I did it, and yeah. yeah so, so, so from all of this, from your experience and so on, if people are trying to get into comedy or mm -hmm. into stand-up and so on, what would be like your, what would you say it was your biggest mistake? What was your biggest maybe lesson learned? Mm -hmm. And what would you recommend, like how and when and why to start doing stand-up? Okay. Biggest regret. That's easy, actually. Um, biggest regret was after that first stand-up gig, about a year later or something like that, I was at a bar, happened to have drinks, you know, met some random there, this guy. We start chatting. Turns out in my in that town, there was a casino, right? Uh, oh, no, it was Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> no, there was a casino. Stop it, Jerry, I told you. <laughs> Jesus, you follow me from high school, man? Um, but yeah, so there was a, there's a casino there, and this guy was like... I was telling him that I'd done this stand-up once and it went really went pretty well, like as in I told him the whole story, which is a story in love itself. And he was like, Well, would you like to do like shows at the casino? And I was like, Yes. And he gave me his card. But you know that part where you're like, oh no, it was just one time. You know, I don't know I could do this like regular. What happens if he wants me to do it every week? And I got scared and it took me a month and a half or two months to build up the courage. And I was like, right, I I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Let's do this. Where's the card? Where, where's the card? Where did I put the card? Where, no, I swear I put it on the table. It was next to the speakers. Nope, 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 nope. Wait, I so lost the your, fucking your card. Your advice for anyone who wants to start doing Just comedy do it. is if, you, if someone offers you <laughs> a regular paid gig, don't lose their business card. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. your... Yeah, just quickly say yes. And that's that's the thing I've learned. Take the opportunities. Don't okay. don't turn it down, especially at the beginning. At the beginning, don't be fussy. Don't don't care. It's just corporate gig. Like, you know, I I uh, yeah, anyway, I won't mention that. But like, you know, whatever it is, just take it because that first experience is invaluable. And the other thing I would say is there is no set standard way of doing it. Just say yes and give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Just have that attitude. Just like, what the hell? Because think of it as everything is a bucket list. Like, just tick it off your list. If you like it, you keep going with it. If you don't, then you're like, okay, I won't do that anymore. You know? Like, if someone had said to me, like, all right, Dave, we want you to do a stand-up set on a porn film, and you'll be constantly on this, it'd be like, this could ruin my reputation. Yeah, stuff it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, unless it's something that could totally ruin you, but yeah, just say yes. What is a stand-up set in a porn? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, uh, I think... I think an important thing would be because I see this because I'm doing it now for six years and I see people come and go and some stay and some don't and so on and I think the real filter happens when the person needs to decide is it a fun little thing they do once a week for mm -hmm. five minutes to be uh, the cool guy or girl in front of their colleagues or the people in the audience or something mm -hmm. or is it something they really want to do they're meant to do they're yeah. good at and they can push and take to another level i think this is something that you can figure out like on the way yeah. on the road but i think it's also something you should know and understand maybe better even before you start because i think that just to kind of dabble 
mm-hmm. and to you know do it yeah sure come to like one or two open mics see is it for you or something but then if you start asking for real spots if you start like taking up the time of other comics organizers in some cities like spots are paid like you have to pay to perform and things yeah. like this or come like two hours earlier to sign up on the list and so on don't waste your own like time and money if you're not even if it's like a a silly little joke for you. I mean, I'm not. I disagree. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you on this because uh, same thing. My my perception of things changed. It's it's changed quite a few times. Where one moment it's a full on focus, other times it's just a side thing that I do for fun. It can change. Sometimes it's a bit of both. It can be multiple things. And and the thing is, it's not about taking some time. I mean, if you're not good at it, the people won't put you on the slot. You know, that's kind of the idea. Well, no, I don't mean in, in the sense that don't waste my time, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the sense of like, you should kind of know what, how far do you want to take it and what are your own, you know, reasons of yeah, doing it. Yeah, but that can change. This is what I'm saying. That can change. Because when I first started, I was doing it. I only performed when I was inspired. You know, it's like when I have a new bit and I've worked on it a bit. And then, so I did it maybe once every three months. That when I first started, I, I was, I probably did it like two or three times in the first month or so, uh, two months. And then it was almost like every three months for a while there. It seemed that's when I was going to, there was other factors as well that were uh, impeding on me, but it was, it wasn't, that was the way I started. And then I, you know, took a break um, because I moved to a different city where there wasn't a big scene and I was still finding my way in that city. And then when I came back is when I started taking it more seriously because my opinion had changed. I had missed it and I realized, no, nah, I really want to do this. Like, I don't want this just to be a side thing. I want this to be a main thing. This is like a hobby that keeps me sane. It's, it, I realized that this was the thing that made me happy and, and gave me that sense of fulfillment. And that's when I came back and I started doing it. And you guys kept, because also you were, had a lack of comedians at that time. You were like, next Friday and next Friday and the next Friday. And, but that forced me to push. And that was, I was really grateful for that. So, and then my things changed. And now once again, due to circumstance, I can't do it as often, but if I could, I would, because it's now more of an integral But that's thing. the thing. I think you need to know yourself, first of all, because I think you personally are like a natural born performer. You're mm. like an entertainer. I mean, I see you outside of uh, comedy. Like we kind of hang out, we're friends, whatever. Yeah. So when there is a group of people, you're the one telling the story. You're <laughs> the one people are watching. You're yeah. the one. Uh, so you're like the, the storyteller, the entertainer. I'm the, the class clown. I'll be like yeah. cracking some silly jokes and so on. Yeah. I think like, so even if we don't have a stage and a spotlight, we'll still do comedy. So basically That's, what you're saying is I tell the stories and you punch them up yeah. <laughs> with little quips. What I'm saying is it. you tell stories and I tell jokes. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. But the, the thing is, I think like a lot of people, True. and I've seen this like from, from like firsthand experience, that yeah. people think like, okay, you know what? I'm single and my evenings are free. I'll go and do some comedy. I think I'm kind of funny and I'll pick up some girls. And it lasts. It can last for a week or a month or a year or whatever. Mm. But in the end, it doesn't mount up to anything. No, but at the same time, I don't think that should be discouraged. I'm just like, yeah, it's like a bucket list. Give it a shot. Who no, cares? Give, give, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think kind of what we're talking about, and that's what we started, and I think that's what we can finish on, mm-hmm. was like comedy. Is it like a thing you do in life for fun, or is it like something you want to turn into your profession, your job? And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you just want to, uh, I mean, if you want to try, like, I've recently tried squash 
I've never thought I'm going to be like a squash player or professional mm-hmm. squash player. And I don't plan on going on tournaments or competing and so yeah. on. But I've, I I saw a video of it and I was like, this is super interesting. So yeah. I went and I tried and I like it. And like once a month or twice a month, I go and play squash. Yeah. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. I don't have to be a professional squash player. Exactly. That's what I'm saying about comedy. If you want to sometimes come up on stage, improve your communication skills, public uh, speaking, body language, whatever, go for it, do it. Yeah. But if we're talking about comedy as a, as a calling, as a, as a profession, as, mm-hmm. a, as career. a career, potentially career, then you should know like, why are you doing it? Yeah. What's your like strategy of doing it? And mm-hmm. you know, like that to make sure then that you're not wasting your time or someone else's time or money and so on, because these things can actually be uh, any hobby or whatever it can be actually even pricey. And you know, like, of course it can be, but I mean, I, I would agree to a point, but at the same time, if you just want to do it for fun, I mean, it is your time and it is your money. And if you're willing to, to just use it for a fun hobby, like squash, like if you decide that hey, every morning I want to go to the squ- squash court and, you know, play an hour and I'm going to pay for it. That's fine. You, as long as you, you know, I, I say just give it a shot and do it as much as you, you want to do it, you feel like doing it, but be aware that if you do want to make a career out of it, or you want to do want to take it seriously, then you're going to have to sacrifice something else probably. Yeah. Things. But I will tell you one thing, and I think we can finish on this as an organizer and as an audience member, when I play squash for fun, uh, first of all, there are no people spending their time watching how shit I am, <laughs> and the club is not giving me a free hour to practice. So I pay to be there to to fulfill my own like passion or need or whatever. Yeah. And when it comes to this, I hope everyone expects to have some audience, mm-hmm. and they expect to be like on a nice stage in a good club and so on. So if you are just there to fulfill some personal g- void mm-hmm. or whatever, but you know from the get-go that it's not going anywhere and that you're not going to take it seriously, then, like, pick your battles and just do, like, open mics. Yes, and exactly. Whatever, and I'm saying it. that there are formats for that. Then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I think we can do the whole organizing thing some other time. Yeah. Sounds like a good topic for another day. Yeah. Okay, so staying on the topic, let's do a short quiz and test each other's knowledge on mm-hmm. us personally and on maybe some big stars as well and their life in comedy. So my first question is actually about a famous comedian. Oh, okay. Who's answered, and this is like a quote I really like because for me this is what describes a life of a comedian. Okay. So one of his jokes, but I've heard him say this in interviews as well as as a as a real thing that describes his life when he was asked what would you be if you weren't a comedian? Uh-huh. He said I'd be a virgin. So <laughs> you know like it's it's and it's kind of it's a joke, but to me it describes the way the comedians are. I like I I think why they are, get into it? No, not not why they get into okay. it, but I think like if you're not a comedian what are you left with? Like, if I stop being a comedian today, if I'm stripped off, not just performing regularly, but I mean, the, the jokes, the the idea of this, the you know, like the, the, the thing that it carries with, yeah. what am I left with? So I, I'm just a no, someone that's not interesting to anyone. So uh, who was it? What do you think? Oh, someone who would still be a virgin. I'm going to guess a guy. A guy? Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Aziz Ansari? It is not Aziz, no? No, not Aziz. Okay, freak. Well, that's that was my guess, was Aziz. 
It was. Uh, I I think it was a pretty solid guess. Yeah. But uh, the comedian in question was Jimmy Carr. And oh. it's, it's one of his one-liners. But yeah. I've heard him in an interview talk about this and say that he always felt like he should be doing this. Yeah, and yeah. That's that's his calling. And that's like his defining trait. So yeah. so in a way the, uh, to. You know, when we were talking before, anyway, what you're saying is you can be a comedian without performing on stage then because... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying you need a stage and a spotlight to be a comedian, but I'm saying that you are a comedian or you're not. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Uh, My question then, uh, considering the previous topic of our origins, what year was my first performance? What year do you think? Can you figure it out? Well, I can use my deduction skills, Watson. And I... (laughs) Uh, I know you came to, you said it was before you came to Moscow. You came mm-hmm. to Moscow, let's say 2010, 15? 2013. 13. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. Thanks for, thanks for helping me. Yep. And that was before that. And I think you said you were cracking jokes with your university mates mm-hmm. and stuff when you were like smoking pot and telling yep. stories. And then after that, you got invited to do the corporate Gig, so I'm gonna say somewhere between your uni years and your Moscow years, you are what like 76 years old. So you graduated, <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe 2006 or something. No, higher than that. Oh, okay. later. All right, all right. So okay, let me just say that your first gig was 2009. Very close, 2010. Okay. My well, first gig was to that. And I had to look at my emails to find the original email that James had sent to me for the invite. Did you find that business card as well? <laughs> like, oh, no. No. Still haven't found it, man. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if we're asking personal questions, and I think you might know this one because you might have been there, but I'm not sure. But you also might know it from people that told you. But if you don't know it, you can also try to guess. Okay. So what was the most unusual gig uh, I did. Oh. The most unusual. The most unusual gig. I've done some weird shows. I mean, weird. Like, different yeah. different shows in different places and reasons. Yeah. But this one was very unusual. Yeah. Uh, because usually, I, you just hear about the good gigs. Like, you know, we had an awesome gig here. You know, that was really great. But um, I'm going to guess it was outside Moscow. Um, I can help you out a bit and say it was in Moscow. Oh, okay. Damn. All right. Uh, maybe you were hired to do some sort of weird party or something. Uh, no, actually, it was one of the gigs that was like a regular weekly show oh. organized by, by us. But, <laughs> okay. some, but some uncontrollable, uncontrollable circumstances made it quite peculiar. Okay, uh, I'm going to guess it was weird guests or something like a whole bunch of strippers came or something to watch your show. Actually, there was something similar to that as well, but that is not the one I'm referring to. Okay, I give up. What is it? Uh, so we were doing a show uh, in, a, in a venue, in a bar, and maybe 10 minutes in, the water pipe burst <laughs> and uh, it started flooding. And at first yeah. we thought, like it first started like dripping. So we were like, okay, we just put a bucket. But at some point it just started like proper pouring yeah. out of the pipe. And it kind of filled the venue in, in two minutes up to your knees. Jesus. So we evacuated the place. And it was like, I think late October. Uh-huh. It was cold-ish. But people still had their drinks and stuff. because It was so sudden. Uh, so we all stayed on the terrace of this of this place. And then we just said like, maybe let's finish the show here. And around like... 40 people we had a sh- at a show, like at, in the bar, yeah. maybe like 25, 
to 30s who were still there. And they were like, sure, why not? So we just stood on a terrace. Uh, two of us turned on our like flashlight on the phone, yep. pointed at the comic. So he's like in the light. Cool. We picked up like a knife or something to act as a microphone. So you just have something to hold there. And there were people who just kind of came together standing there on this little terrace, like 25 people or something. And each comic did their five or seven or whatever. Yeah. And we finished the show like this. Well done. Well done. You know, nothing will stop the show. The show must go on, as they say. Exactly. What month was it in? It was uh, uh, late October. Ooh, so it would have been quite chilly too. Yeah, it was. luckily it was one of the warmer years in Moscow. And I think it was maybe plus 12 or something, plus 14. Ah. So it wasn't like freezing cold, but it pra- was... Practically summer in Moscow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, so I've predominantly performed in Moscow, but I have done a gig or two outside of Moscow. How many shows have I done outside of Moscow in total? We're talking... Each gig is a separate gig, or you talk counting cities or whatever. No, no, separate gigs. Separate gigs. I know you've done a full-length show in, um, I want to say, what was it, Ijevsk or something like this? Okay, well, you get bonus points. All I want is the number, but you get bonus points if you get the cities, right? Okay, so continue. All right, uh, and then I know that you've done a few in Spain. But Continue. how many in particular, I'm not sure. And I, I know now that you've done some in Australia as mm-hmm. well. So I want to say, let's say you've done two in Spain and one there and one there, but you've also done other cities of Moscow because we went on a few trips and tours together. Right. So you've done Rizan, you've done St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. So I think you've, you did, when we were in St. Petersburg, I think you did two shows on that weekend or maybe one because it was a festival. Ah, right, and then yeah, you've yeah. done Rizan and then, so one, two, three, four, five, six, Seven gigs outside of Moscow. Ooh, very close, actually. Eight. But you actually got your numbers slightly wrong. So I did the two in St. Petersburg, right? I've done, uh, I think, Rizan twice. All and right. And Voronezh once. All right. Yeah. I did Irkutsk. That was the full show. I did Townsville in Australia. And I did Madrid once. Oh, I see. So I believe I altogether that's eight, if I'm counting correctly. Well, yeah. I was... With all my answers, I always miss by one. So yeah. next time you ask me a question, I will add plus one or minus one to yeah. whatever I want to say. Exactly. Good idea. All right. All right. So considering the topic that we have today, is there anything in particular you would recommend? Uh, I would definitely recommend The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. I know it's a movie that actually was nominated for an Oscar, But I think it went under the radar and not a lot of people are familiar with it being like an independent film. But I think it's it's a great movie that shows this uh, life of a comedian versus some kind of family traditions and customs versus relationship being like struggling to make it, you know, doing another job. He's an Uber driver who then moonlights, moonlights. Yeah. (laughs) as a as a comic in the evenings and trying to make it big and you can actually see it's not what the movie is really about and i won't spoil any more details but you can see some moments where comics gather in the backstage or the green room or whatever and they try to workshop some jokes or comment on some other people perform and so on and when i watched it i was like yeah this is this is how it is this is what happens and the writer and the the main star of this movie being a stand-up comic himself for many years i'm sure he knows this 
this very well from the inside. And that's why I, I think it shows this duality of life when you're a comic, when you have to deal with some serious things and so on. And actually there is in that movie some moments that are pretty kind of heavy and mm -hmm. so on. And him being to able uh, him being able to crack jokes and make people laugh really lightens up the mood and makes it bearable yeah. to go through these moments. So I think it also shows this human side of, of a comedian. Yeah, and and it's based on a true story. Like and it's, it's, it's actually his his and his wife's life, and they wrote the script together and everything. So you know, kudos to both of them. And and yeah, it's it's really well done. Actually, yeah, I completely agree. It's a great great film. And you know, the fact that it's called The Big Sick is sort of a giveaway. Yeah. And uh, what about you? Uh, for me, okay, so it's not about the topic of a stand-up comedian uh, as such, uh, but it's a it's a movie talking about that. The reason why I think, for example, The Big Sick is really well done and so brilliant is because it's based on a true story. It's genuine. But it has, if you took away the comedy, it would still be a good film, right? And I think, for example, I like The Invention of Lying by Ricky Gervais, right? And what I like about it is because it has uh, his, kind of his belief system, I suppose, in it. And, uh, you know, what he thinks, it's coming from a genuine place of his thoughts and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's a very funny movie, though, because, and it, like... The, the Big Sick, it went really under the radar, probably because of the subject matter, because he is criticizing the belief of of God and religion and the whole thing. But it does have a really cool twist where I, I won't reveal it, but, you know, it has a really cool idea of how everything goes kind of uh, haywire for him because and he ends up doing what he doesn't want to do. But anyway, the, the, the whole point is that it's a very great film. It's It's got like a really cool thematic theme sort of thing, like a, a point to it. And I think that's another thing that, that comedy needs. It needs that genuineness and it needs kind of that point. I think really good stand-up does that. You can do quick little simple punchlines and things like that, but what separates a, a, like a, a good club comedian, five-minute comedian, 10-minute comedian compared to someone who can do stadiums and arenas, you need to have a point. And that is something that Ricky Gervais is really good at doing, is making a point. I think this movie is uh, very well written and it has both things. It has the right premise, the mm. setting to get you interested, yep. like the idea, the concept, but it does have the message yeah. and the meaning, like it has real like core of this movie is not this premise that from the title itself the invention of lying uh, can be recognized it's a man who invents lying in a world yeah. where no one can tell a lie everyone tells the truth but then at some point it becomes more of it more than that and it becomes a story about how a simple lie or a series of lies can basically create a belief system let's call yeah. it like that yeah exactly all right i think that would be enough for today's topics and You've been listening to The Comedy Kiosk. I'm David Munoz. I've been Igor Monday. And we hope to see you, hear from you, you respond, and I hope you hear us soon. We hope you will hear us again. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>